Welcome to Security Heroes, a podcast by Athena Security. We share real life stories to help connect you to real heroes in the security world. I'm your host, Lisa Falzone. Warning, the following recording contains potentially disturbing content. Listener discretion advised. All right, so joining me today is Martin Green, a principal consultant and healthcare security management professional and the founder of Martin Green and Associates. Martin has been working in security management within the healthcare sector since 1985. Martin is credentialed by the IAHSS as a certified healthcare protection administrator and he served on the association's board of directors for many years and also served as the association's president in 2017. So welcome, Martin. Thank you. Nice to be here, Lisa. So great to have you. I'm so excited to talk to you. I mean, you've had almost 40 years of healthcare security experience and just really looking forward to hear your perspective, how times have changed and all that. So just to start with, what sparked your interest in pursuing a career in healthcare security consulting services? Well, let's step back 38 years ago to what pursued my interest in working in healthcare, which was totally by accident. And I know many of my colleagues in healthcare security didn't plan on being a healthcare security manager, didn't plan on being in healthcare security. They stumbled into it by accident. That's kind of what happened to me back in 1985. In fact, in 1985, I didn't even know that hospitals had security departments. I didn't think that people were going to steal from a hospital. So I spent most of the next 38 years, I had a couple of years where I was out of healthcare doing something related, but not healthcare-wise, and came back into healthcare. And I'm old, and I'm retirement age, and I just decided that 38 years of being on call 24 hours a day, 38 years of dealing with the day-to-day grind of managing a healthcare facility, it was time for me to retire. But I have this inherent love of healthcare. It really has done something to me working in a hospital all these years. And although I didn't want to be directly involved in the management and operation of a healthcare facility, I felt that I had a lot to offer. And when I retired, I would become a healthcare security consultant. And what really made that happen was, first off, I have 38 years of background in healthcare. So I have a lot of knowledge that I felt that I could share. And I also realized that in Canada, particularly, there's not a lot of healthcare security consultants out there. I mean, they're security consultants, but they don't necessarily have the background in healthcare. And there are security guard companies that provide healthcare security consultants. And the people that work for those companies and do that work are exceptionally well qualified, but they're not independent. So I recognize the niche for being an independent healthcare security consultant specializing in a Canadian marketplace. So I decided that I was just going to start a company and that would keep me active after I retired this year. Awesome. So talk to me a little bit about how you stumbled across being in healthcare security back in 1985. Well, I started my career in 1978 
catching shoplifters uh, for a department store in Toronto. I had planned on joining the police department. So while I was in college studying, I took a part-time job catching shoplifters for a department store. And I realized it was kind of fun and decided that after a lot of consideration, I decided that policing wasn't going to be the career that I wanted after all. So I stayed on in private security. And then after about six, seven years of getting beat up every second Friday over somebody stealing a pair of socks, because surprisingly, when you arrest somebody, they're not generally very happy. And so they tend to fight. So I just decided that it was time for me to look at something else. You know, my life had changed and I was married and coming home with bruises and cuts and ripped shirts wasn't particularly appealing to my wife. So I looked at uh, doing something else. So I saw an ad that said they wanted a security manager, and I figured I can do that. So I applied to the the ad. didn't say what it was. It just said a security company needed a security manager. And I interviewed with the person over the phone. They asked me if I could come in in person. And I came in the next day, and I was on the phone for 45 minutes. And in the in-person interview, the next day, I was there for an hour. And everything was going well. And we think you'd be perfect for the job. And at this point, I still didn't know what the job was. And I asked him, I said, so you haven't told me what it is. Oh, we'd like you to be a security manager in a hospital. And I hated hospitals. I got the hospital was the last thing that I ever wanted to work in. But it sounded like an interesting job. I was tired of working, catching shoplifters. So I took a stab at it and figured I'll probably last about a week and I'll get fired because I keep throwing up or passing out or something like that. But I quickly became acclimatized to the healthcare environment, to the unique situations, and I began to thrive in it. And I think a lot of people that have been in healthcare security, they do thrive in it. They do see the importance of it. And once I got into it, there was no turning back. I just absolutely loved the environment. Yeah, totally. I mean, I similarly, I kind of stumbled into healthcare security as well. I mean, we developed our system for more for schools, but because that was always in the news and then found out, you know, healthcare is such a vertical in demand of weapon detection. So how you mentioned healthcare security is so different than other doing other security. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Well, sure. I have a lot of friends and colleagues in other sectors in healthcare, in in retail and commercial and residential and industrial and stuff. And you take a hospital is a small city. You have thousands of people in the building at any given time. You have people at every stage and phase of their life from birth to death. And a shopping mall closes at the end of the day. At nine o'clock at night, they lock the doors, they kick everybody out, the cleaners come in and they do stuff and the security department is just walking around and they're closed. There's nobody there. And hospitals don't close. We're open 24 hours a day. And then a shopping mall, maybe once or twice a year, somebody might have a cardiac arrest and die in the shopping mall. And maybe once or twice a year, a woman might go into labor and have a premature delivery in the shopping mall. Well, people are born and die in a hospital every single day. And so for that, you're dealing with the emotional trauma of an unexpected death, families and in the waiting room of an emergency department or an operating room or the intensive care unit dealing with the human emotions 
you don't get that anywhere else. You don't get that anymore. Get that in a commercial office building. And maybe once in a while, something will happen. But in a hospital, it happens every single day. And no one is ever happy about going to a hospital except like the expectant family. They're going in to deliver the baby. They're happy, but no one else is happy. And you're not happy going to say goodbye to your grandmother for the very last time. You're not happy going. Four years ago, right around this time, my oldest son was critically ill in a hospital in Chicago. And I got an emergency call at home and I had to hop on a plane and fly to Chicago. My son was on life support in the intensive care unit of the Chicago hospital. I was not happy. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a very dramatic, traumatizing time. So I understand firsthand what it's like to be there. And thankfully and miraculously, my son made a complete and total recovery. And a week later, he walked out the front door. Uh, Amazing. Perfect health. But he was on life support. So it was, it was very traumatic. So when families deal with that, and it made it easy for me, although my I was worried sick about my son, I'm in an intensive care unit, and I know what everything is. Mm-hmm. So I know what hoses are, and I know what the tubes are, and I know what the beeping sounds are. Other families don't, and they go in, and well, what's that noise? And why is it making this noise? Call the nurse. That thing is making a noise. So you've got all that, plus you've got your loved one who you have no control over. You're at the mercy of everybody in the hospital. So that's no other workplace has that. And then, you know, you've got the workplace violence, which is a significant issue in healthcare. And that was not something that happened 38 years ago. Nobody ever yelled at a nurse unless they were drunk. So for the most part, you had a level of respect for the profession of nursing and for the medical profession that just seems to be totally out the window now. And people are just rude and obnoxious and threatening and assaulting healthcare workers on a daily basis. It's one of the most dangerous occupations in the world. It's more dangerous being a frontline nurse in an emergency department than it is being a police officer. Wow. That's so interesting. More dangerous being a frontline nurse in the ER versus a police officer. Literally hundreds, if not thousands of healthcare workers around the world are assaulted every day. Some of them very seriously to the point that they can no longer work. They've been permanently injured physically, psychologically. There are healthcare workers that are murdered at work. It's something that happens. And the percentage of healthcare workers that are injured in the line of duty at work is greater than any other profession, greater than firefighting, greater than the police departments. It is an extremely, it's become an extremely dangerous environment to work in. Yeah. And it's crazy to hear that because obviously I've learned that, but it's, I just don't think anyone else knows that. I don't think the general public knows that. And so hopefully with this podcast, we can kind of get that word out that there is a problem and then, you know, talk about the heroes that help people. Yeah, it is a significant problem. And it's leading to healthcare, not just nurses, but everybody. It's it's leading to burnout. I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to help people fix their boo-boos and make them healthy. I didn't sign up for somebody spitting at me and, and swearing at me and throwing a chair or an IV pole. Why do you think it's gotten so much worse in the last 30 years? I don't know. Maybe civilization is going backwards a little bit. There's certainly a mental health crisis in the world right now. 
and mental health does have an impact, but it's people that assault healthcare workers. It's not the mentally ill that do it. Yes, they do. I mean, the mentally ill people do have issues and they will often assault their care workers. But the percentage of assaults and abuse against healthcare workers is not primarily by the people that are suffering from mental or behavioral health. It's the average person that has lost control. They're out of control in their environment. They're angry. They're anxious. And society as a whole in the last 10, 15 years is taking a few steps backwards in civility. I've asked a couple of people that have been on the podcast trying to figure that out. And some people say COVID, but I think your perspective is so interesting because you've seen it over, you know, decades. And I'm just like, how do we, you know, people mentioned the mental health. It's like, how do we solve this as a society? And it's just interesting and sad that we're declining in that way. Uh, people have to be held accountable. Unfortunately, people have not been held accountable. So there was always the excuse that, well, you can't arrest a mental health patient for assaulting us because after all, they're mentally ill. Well, there are degrees of mental illness and there are degrees of culpability and there are degrees of competency. So right. just because you're mentally ill does not mean that you don't know what you're doing. You have a mental illness that is you are having difficulties with, but that doesn't give you the right to slap a nurse or to punish patient. So there was arrested and charged criminally for doing something because yeah. the police said, well, we'll never get a conviction or it would go before the courts and the courts would say, well, they're mentally ill. So they're dropping that. So there's certainly an element, but that's getting better. We have more and more people are being charged and held criminally responsible for their behavior. And you can't say, well, I'm sorry, I was angry. Well, mm -hmm. that doesn't cut it. Control your emotions, be held accountable for it. You have the perspective of being in Canada. So a lot of people blame our violence on politics or how we handled COVID. But you're saying almost the same exact thing that the people in the U.S. are saying. So it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, we're having the same issues. I mean, we, violence in healthcare is happening. The difference between Canada and the United States is, of course, the level of the ease of accessibility of guns. Mm -hmm. So that certainly has a difference in the United States versus Canada. But guns are not. People have become violent. Guns are just a tool to facilitate the violence. But we still have our punches and we still have stabbings and yes, we still have shootings, but it's just a different level between Canada and the United States. So you've had all these, shared all these violent experiences. Can you talk a little bit about some heroic experiences or heroic actions that you've seen from either you or your team that really stood out to you as, hey, this person is a hero or I did this heroic act and saved people's lives? Well, for the last four years, anybody that works in a healthcare facility is a hero just by default. The last four years, especially for me, have been probably the most challenging four years in my career. Going to work, going to an environment where everybody is afraid of this disease that is developing and unknown and is killing people left, right, and center, and, and your loved ones are worried and you're worried and you're wearing a mask for 18 hours a day and you're working... 18-hour shifts for weeks in a row. So anybody, I don't care if you're a frontline nurse or frontline doctor 
working in the kitchen or working in environmental services, everybody that's worked in a hospital over the last four years is a life-saving hero. And four years ago when COVID started in early 2020, a few weeks after COVID started, people were standing out on their front porches and their balconies, banging pots and pans together to thank healthcare workers. People were randomly showing up at the front door of the hospital with coffee from Tim Hortons or donuts Mm -hmm. or Kentucky Fried Chicken and just thank you for working and they're giving it to you. Now, people are spitting at us and throwing things at us. It's just gone completely the other way. So anybody that's worked in a hospital in the last four years is a life-saving hero. As for actual, I've had security stuff. IHSS has an award, a Medal of Valor, that they give to people that have put their lives in danger to save someone else. And extraordinary pleasure of having three of my security staff over my career win that award for Valor. One involved a security officer who prevented somebody from committing suicide. He had a very large knife and he cut himself up pretty bad. My security guard took the knife away from him. Uh, two other security staff, again, a suicidal patient in our parking lot, and they were disabled or disarm him. Personally, myself and one of my co-workers prevented a gentleman from jumping off a ledge, and we saved him from committing suicide. So that's the extent of that. There's more to heroics than saving lives. Heroics are going in when everybody else is going out, staying around and doing something that no one else wants to do. And I totally agree. I think our nurses are our heroes for sure. And the doctors yes, and the security. deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, our frontline security staff are standing yeah. there, frontline nurses. Hospitals can't work without people making food and cleaning the floor. Hospitals function without everybody in the healthcare. So it's not just the nurses. It's not just the doctors. It's everyone that works in a hospital, even if they just work in the business office. Everybody, uh, hospitals can't function without them. So what services does Martin Green and Associates offer? Well, I'm a generalist security consultant in the healthcare industry. So my specialty is physical security. And that's, you know, locks and card readers and cameras and lighting and septet. But I provide training services. I provide policy review, emergency preparedness background and just general all-round healthcare security consulting services. I said the reason that happened is that we had an incident at one of my hospitals recently and the senior team decided they wanted to have an independent third-party security consultant come in. And, And I said, yeah, I'm fine with that. I have no worries about my security program. I welcome the opportunity. And that's when I realized that there were no Canadians providing that service. There was nobody in the Canadian marketplace that was an independent healthcare security consultant that had the background in healthcare security. There were people that provided security consulting services, but they tried to do everything. And mm-hmm. you know, they're doing a failed environment, but they've never actually worked in a hospital. And I think that if, if you're having a consultant come in telling you how your program is working, it should be somebody that's actually done it so that they have a, an idea. I wanted it to be independent. You know, you're not going to go to a Ford dealership to buy a car and they're not going to walk around and say, you know, you should go across the street to the Chevy dealer. They're going to try and sell you a Ford. Mm -hmm. So if you bring in a security guard company, there's the perception 
that are paying for the service that they're just going to try and talk us into getting more security goals from the companies. That's why I focused on the independent nature of it. Yeah, I think it's so important to see the whole thing from a holistic perspective, from security guards to technology, to the training, to how you talk someone down from a violent act. And so it's just so, so important. How have you seen the healthcare security consulting services evolve over the last couple of decades? Like, are you doing the same thing now if you were doing that, you know, 20 years ago? How is it different? Canada is a few years behind in the United States when it comes to that. So when I needed to bring in a healthcare security consultant for my hospital, I brought somebody in from the United States because there literally was Canada. You know, the United States, I could name a half dozen people that I consider friends that are full-time security consultants because first off, the American healthcare, so the, the Americans are more litigious anyway. So they sue somebody all the time for something. So they're always bringing in a healthcare security consultant to either defend a lawsuit. And in some cases, the people that are posing the lawsuit are bringing in their expert witness, demonstrating why the hospital failed. So there's a much bigger marketplace for it in the States because the United States tend to be more litigious. Plus, you're 10 times the size of our country. So there's 10 yeah. times the opportunity for business. So I said, my first year and a half of operation as a sideline to keep myself out of trouble after I retired. So talk to you a little bit about some of the challenges the hospitals that you're consulting with have faced and how you how have you resolved some of them? Well, there have generally been threat risk assessments were coming in either in response to an issue that may have occurred, or in some cases, people have gone from one hospital that had a very good security program to another hospital that was perhaps lacking and identified a need. They've asked me to come in and review to see how things are and do comparisons that way. And that's generally what I've done is I've gone in what they've had, made my recommendations for improvement. I'm working with one facility right now that's getting ready to open and helping them get their policies and procedures in line for their opening date. And I have a few other potential things in the works right now that would include training and on-site security assessments and threat risk assessments. Are you technical? Do you get involved with technology that much? So I know how to use it, but I don't know how it works. Okay. Sure. So I don't get into, oh, you need cameras that have this specification. I get into you need camera. All right. And then we'll, yeah. we'll work with to figure out what's going to work best. So I don't recommend a specific product. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm maintaining my, my independent nature. So I'm not going to go in and say, well, you need to get this brand of camera. I will just go in and say, you need a camera that will allow you to read a license plate and let them figure out which license plate camera they're going to get. Or you need a camera that has digital analytics or artificial intelligence. Again, I'm not going to say you need to get this brand over this brand, but you should look into these things. So again, I don't know how it works. Yeah. I don't know how to use it. And I think it's the important thing. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how you've seen technology help or hurt or what your thoughts are in the last couple of decades. When I started in the security industries, cameras are the size of a Volkswagen. They were really lousy pictures and you know they ran hot and they burned after 
a year and you had to replace them. So you had these big, giant, cumbersome cameras that ran off VCRs and time-lapse video recorders and motorized pan-tilt-zoom devices. And over the years, we've seen cameras. I've got a camera right here on my desk. I have this little right. tiny, tiny camera that's better image quality than anything that existed that's wireless. And so the camera technology is phenomenal. Here's that. I've seen the, the camera technology become like over the top in what it's capable of doing. Pretty much everything else, keys are still keys, locks are still locks, but it's the camera technology that's really helped and the access control with uh, facial recognition now and biometric readers. All of that has made a significant change, but technology doesn't prevent the thing from happening. You know, there's misconception that if we put a camera here, then it will stop this from happening. And that's mm-hmm. absolutely not true. A camera doesn't prevent people from doing things because if it did, be watching YouTube videos and TikTok videos of people doing really stupid things and committing crimes. There's cameras everywhere. The cameras yeah. don't prevent it from hopefully this give you a better image and a better chance for recovery. Yeah, that's kind of how we started Athena. We're just like, there's so many cameras out there that are great. They're recording crimes, but nothing's actually in helping prevent crime. So So the technology that you're developing and that other companies are, that's the stuff that prevents crime. Yeah. Cameras don't prevent crime. Cameras only watch it. So we do have a lot of security consultants that tune into the podcast. So if you could just tell them some advice. What are the characteristics that make healthcare security consulting services exceptional? I think it's just the wide variety of the environment. I mean, a hospital is dynamic, constant, and the unique nature of a healthcare facility and everything that goes along. Yes, there's still SEPTED involved in healthcare security. There's still cameras and fences and card readers and all of that other stuff. And Yes, we're going to have the same type of cameras that a shopping mall is going to have. And maybe we'll have just as many cameras as a shopping mall has. But it's how do you apply it? How do you make a hospital safe and secure without turning it into a prison? How do you take and And one of the challenges that hospitals have faced when it comes to physical security over the years is that securities, the hospitals were designed to be open and inviting And you walk in and they've got this glorious main lobby with an atrium and wide open spaces, which are incredibly difficult to secure. So Mm -hmm. how can you secure a space without turning it into a prison, without spending $100,000 on turnstiles across your main lobby and turning it into an unwelcoming environment? So how do you make a facility secure and still make it open, inviting and welcoming, not having people feel as though they're going to a prison? or walking through an airport. Totally. Speaking our language, could, curious, what do you think about the role of AI in security? And do you see it augmenting security officers, replacing security officers? What are your thoughts there? AI, it's, it's a little scary. I think definitely in the right environment with the right circumstances. So, you know, a lot of hospitals have very limited security guard coverage. Mm. There are probably more hospitals in Canada and the United States that don't have security than do have security, especially when you get into the small rural settings. So 
how does AI help? If you've got a control center where you've got security operators that are interacting with the equipment and live monitoring, AI is definitely going to help because they're going to point out that little idiosyncrasy or that little quirky thing, and they're going to direct a security guard to look at this camera. It's like, hey, look at me. There's a problem. Uh-huh. That only works if somebody is there monitoring the cameras. If you've got a one guard who's covering an entire hospital by themselves on an eight-hour shift, and their job is to patrol and check the doors, AI doesn't really help them in that regard. And yeah, maybe you can have a camera that sends a signal to a smartphone to do mm-hmm. all that. But I mean, I think the big driving factor right now is for security operations center operators to be interacting with the artificial intelligence. And, yeah. you know, the way it's developing, it's an exponential development in AI and video analytics. Who knows what they'll be able to come up with in six months or a year that could totally change the dynamic of the environment. Yeah, I mean, there's some companies that do robots that are, you know, acting as security officers. And I've actually, like at the beginning, I thought that could be viable. But then after being in the industry, I realized that these are people, especially in healthcare, these are people with strong emotions. And you really need someone that is also a human that can kind of talk them, you know, de-escalate the situation, use empathy. And I just really don't think it's something that you can get from a robot. So I agree. I think that AI is really going to augment. And I don't really don't think anyone should be worried about their jobs in security because of AI. The robotic technology has come a long way, but it still is limited to what it's capable of doing. And when I was working at my last hospital before I retired, I did seriously consider robotic technology to patrol my parking lot. Because we're having challenges with the theft from motor vehicles in the parking lot. And I could go and I could put in a whole pile more cameras or Mm -hmm. I could get a robot. And the robot that I was looking at was particularly large, very visible robot. And I thought this would be cool. Mm -hmm. Put this in the parking lot and people are going to second guess when they see that robot. And it had interactive features where... You could go up and touch screen it and ask for directions into the building and and all that kind of cool, cool stuff. But robots can't respond to a violent patient situation. Robots can't unlock doors at this stage. So they're they're patrol bots. So in the warehouse environment and in the retail space, especially after hours, I think they're great. There's a Walmart not too far from me that has a robot floor cleaner doesn't work very well because everybody stops in front of it to see if it'll stop in front of them. So it doesn't work very well when the store is open. But it's great technology and robotics in the right environment. But robots still can't call an elevator. So they're limited to one floor. Robots can't open doors. Now, I know somebody watching this is probably going to say, oh, mine can. But, you know, generally speaking, They're very limited to what they're capable of doing, but what they are capable of doing is really good. And and I don't want to name brands, but I've seen robots out there that they're pretty cool and they do a great job and they do monitor and they do identify and in the right environment, they're perfect. Hospitals, unless RoboCop comes along in the next couple of years, I don't think we're going to see robots interacting with people in a hospital setting because they're just so limited to what they're able to do with them. Yeah, so in conclusion, unless you want to talk about anything else, 
got one final question for you. So what would be your message about the crucial role of healthcare security consulting in the community? I think every hospital security or every healthcare security manager, we should be doing regular assessments of our facilities. And I certainly did. But I don't know if you've ever seen those commercials for Breeze where they talk about being nose blind. When you walk into the room and it looks like a big giant running shoe, you don't notice smell because you live in the house every day, but a visitor Mm -hmm. comes in and they see it. Well, you become nose blind to your own facility. You walk in and you're so used to seeing it that you don't see it anymore. So bringing in an independent third person to look at it and say, hey, what about this? Or have you checked that? To give you a fresh perspective and a second pair of eyes to look at things and say, yeah, this is working really well which then works great because when your security audit comes through, when your assessment comes in from the consultant and they say, you're doing everything right, but you might also want to do this. That's great because then it does help the security manager that's incumbent to say, look, see, we had a report and the guy says we should do that. That Mm -hmm. certainly helps. Yeah, I think every healthcare facility, whether they have an in-house security manager or a contracted manager, or especially in the environment where they don't have a security manager and the responsibility for security falls on somebody who's not a healthcare security professional, like the maintenance manager or the human resources department or the finance office that's responsible for the security guard contract. They especially need someone to come in and take a look at their program to review it, to provide them with the expertise and guidance that they don't necessarily have. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I mean, you've had some pretty serious rock stars on this podcast. You've had Bonnie and Tony and Lisa. I'm humbled and I'm honored that you asked me to be part of this as well. Yeah, of course. I love your perspective and I agree. I think those three people that you mentioned are totally awesome. So humble and very interesting to talk to. Thank you so much. Okay. Talk soon. Great. Bye. Security Heroes is brought to you by Athena Security. To find out more about Athena Security and how we help save lives through our weapon detection solution, visit www.athena-security.com. And then make sure to search for Security Heroes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Athena, thanks for listening.